Father, we thank you this morning. Blessed be your name forever. Thank you for your presence in our midst. Touch us and let your name be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This morning, we are so honored, we are so blessed to see another wonderful Sunday. This is our month of evangelism. And by the grace of God, today we are reaching out to many in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We read some few scriptures from Luke 19, from verse 9 and 10. Can you please repeat that scriptures again? And Jesus said to him, saying, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. And verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man came, or has come, to seek and to save that which was lost. That is a great mandate of Jesus. That's the reason why Jesus came to this world. And I pray that we understand this scripture very well in Jesus' name. Now, the most precious and valuable thing in this life is not the gold mines in South Africa or the diamond, but the greatest thing in this life and the precious thing in this life is not really the diamond and the gold that we so value and so cherish. But the most important thing in this life is human beings. There is nothing in this world that is more valuable to God than the people that he has created in his image and his likeness. In Genesis chapter number 1, the verse 20 said, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So every human being is in the image and in the likeness of God. You must understand that. So those who value material things, those who value cars, those who value money more than human beings, I pray that God will have mercy on you. Seriously, people don't place value on other human beings. We place value on material things. I remember in those days, when we were younger, my grandmother used to tell us that if you break this plate, I'll use it to cut your ears. Yeah. I, mean, Kai, I remember one day, I think so. one of us broke a glass or whatever. She took the glass and threw it at the person. Because she sees the glass more precious and expensive than the human being. A man said the son has stolen his, I think, 90 pesos or so. Took the son's hands down and cut one of the fingers. 90 pesos. I want to show you how people value material things more than human beings. A certain guy was driving this uh, old BMW. The guy valued the car to the standard. I mean, everywhere you go, he just stop and polish the car. He doesn't want the car to pass through mud, whatever. Hmm. One day, unfortunately, somebody scratched the car, the BMW. He got out of the car and the man started crying. And then everyone was asking, why are you crying? He said, the man should have used the car to scratch me rather than my car. We have become so materialistic, we don't even place value on ourselves or value on human beings. But we are so concerned about material things. Personally, I've seen people that when it rains and they are walking in the mud, they move their shoe. And they'll be walking barefooted in the mud because they don't want their shoe to get... Uh... How many of you have done that before? Mercy on you. <laughs> hallelujah so materialistic and so worldly we don't place value on ourselves so therefore we don't even place value on human beings now please i want to challenge you today that your value must be on people but not on material things i'm sharing with you the message i've entitled this morning the value of a soul or the worth of a soul since the fall of man, God has always been on the rescue mission to save man from total destruction. 
when man fell in the beginning from that day god has always been doing everything possible to save man from total destruction but man has consistently rebelled against his creator god is trying to save man from this total destruction but men are always rebellious we are always stubborn we are always hard from the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve. God created man, put him in the garden and said, take control of everything. And all of a sudden, the enemy appeared from nowhere and deceived the man and the woman. The Bible said they rebelled against God and lost the glory that God gave to man. From Genesis chapter number 3 from verse 1, he said, do not touch this thing. That's God's instruction. Don't touch it. He said, no, Lord, the one who said we shouldn't touch, that's what we are going to touch. But even when man rebelled against God, God did not give up on man. He still made a provision for him. That incident notwithstanding, after that, Cain and his brother, I mean, were there in a farm doing all kinds of things. And Cain slain his brother Abel. Killed him in Genesis chapter number 4 verse 1. Not only that, in Genesis chapter number 6, man became so stubborn and so hard that it came to a time in Genesis chapter number 6 verse 6. God himself said, I am sorry that I have made even made man. Give me that scripture, Genesis 6. 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had what? Made man on the earth. I don't know, but God created about we are too stubborn. <laughs> when we lost that thing, man is so hard, man is so stubborn. I mean, and God said, I am even sorry I've created man. So therefore, God has to clean the entire world with flood. In Genesis number 6, Noah's time, flood killed everybody to raise a new generation altogether. That one not even withstanding, not even that one alone. It came to a time that even Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, the people came together and said, we want to build a tower to reach God. Genesis 11. So now the creation want to become like the creator. And God said, I'll go down to scatter them. God said, I will go down and scatter them. As if that was not even enough, in Genesis chapter number 19, the Bible talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, where men began to sleep with men. Something that God abhors, God hates. Women sleeping with women. People don't care about anything. Then God had no option than to destroy the entire world again. Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and all kinds of things. Hallelujah. But upon all the rebellion of man, God still did not give up on man. I pray that God will never give up on us in Jesus' name. Now within this rebellion, God made divine interventions to save man and to bring man back to himself. In Genesis chapter number 3, when even man disobeyed God, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God even made promise that there's going to be the Savior. In Genesis chapter number 3, the verse 15. Look at it. He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall, talking about Jesus Christ here, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So prophetically, even when man disobeyed God from the beginning, God made a promise that I'm going to release and bring a savior who shall bruise the head of Satan. So even in the midst of the disobedience of man and the stubbornness of man, God still did not give up on man. What a good God. I said, what a good God. The day that even they fell and God went to the garden and asked, Adam, where are you? And he was hiding somewhere. And the man said, I am naked. And God said, who told you that you are naked? God killed an animal and gave them the, the skin to cover them. Even in the midst of man's sins of disobedience, God was still covering man. You see, listen to me. That's the reason why you don't have to stand in any position to condemn anybody. 
and those of you have made yourself judges and uh, you think you are the most holiest you think you are the most best person may God have mercy on you don't look down upon anybody even God himself who created that is not condemning us glory to God so we serve a God who is so compassionate and still making a way for his people so in Genesis God made provision that I'm going to release the savior to save mankind from the hand of the enemy in Genesis chapter number 12, you also called a man called Abraham and said, I'm going to use you to bless the entire world. He called him out of a nation, out of a people of idolatry. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord God said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Ro. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Look at verse 3. He said, and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curses you. And he knew all the families of the what? Of the earth. So God took just one man to use that man to bless the entire world. Even in the midst of our sins, God still wants to bless us and change our lives for the better. So even in the midst of the disobedience of man, God is still making provision for man. As if that was not enough, he called a man called Jacob and made him a nation called Israel to bring back all the nations of the world back to himself. And please listen to this. The ultimate of God's love to bring man back to himself happened in Jesus Christ. The ultimate of God's love to bring man back to himself, even in the midst of our disobedience and weaknesses, happened in Jesus. God, I'm going to give you the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to give you my best. For God so loved the world. The sinners who. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? The only, everybody say only. The only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but shall have eternal life the ultimate of God's love for mankind was demonstrated in Jesus Romans chapter 5 verse 8 listen to what it says Romans 5 8 but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still righteous while we were still holy Christ did what died for us. So he did not die for righteous people. He died for sinners. He took the place of a sinner. He took the place of a priest. I want you to know how man worth the value of a human being, the value of a person to God. God values us. I'm telling you. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21, listen to what it says. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So he took your sin so he became a sinner for you to become righteous that we might become the righteousness of God in him that's what the Bible says he said even for a righteous man it is very hard for somebody to die for how much more a sinner so he has done something for you that no man no woman can do for you so the ultimate of God's love to bring man back to himself was demonstrated in Christ. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for you yeah. and for me. I pray that we we'll value this love and this affection that this God has for us. Help me tell the person that God wants you back to himself. Tell the person who wants God wants every man back to himself. Hallelujah. So since the fall of man, God is always making provision to save man. 
And I want you to know, man is very valuable to God. No matter their state, no matter their level, every man is precious to God. Now, why is God so much concerned about souls? Why is God so much concerned about people? Why is man so valuable to God? Number one, because every man carries the spirit of God. Every man, every man, every man. In the book of Genesis, I think chapter 2, from verse uh, 4 downwards, when God created man, and man was lying down just like a, a clay, Bible said, and God breathed what? Into man. And right from there, man became a living soul. So there is something that makes you to be alive. That makes you to move your head, your leg, whatever it is. And that thing is the spirit of God. So even though man fell from the beginning, but man still carries the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God, that makes you alive. Verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his what? Nostrils and the breath of life. And man became. So there is a breath of God. There is a spirit of God that makes you alive. Yeah. That's it. So there is something of God that is in man. That is why God cannot allow man to perish like that. Let me tell you, no matter how bad, no matter how wicked your son may be, your child may be, no matter how you have even rejected your son or your daughter, if that boy is jailed, if something evil happens to that child, you will still have some feeling for the person. Because there is something in you that is in that child. That's how it is. I want to preach at a term me in Harbour Cell. A guy has been there for about four months. Nobody has visited him. He said, go and see my mother. I want the, the woman sells at Datus on the table. He said, who are you? I said, I mentioned my name. He said, if not because you're a pastor, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even seen your face. She told me all the story, how she used to do very well. And this boy, because of stealing, she has ended up selling on the table. And listen to what the woman said. He said, if this boy is dead today, I'll be very happy. That was my first time to hear for a woman to say that I wish my child is dead. But if, from the deepest of the woman's heart, she knew. If she hear that that boy is dead, I don't think she would just be quiet. She would cry some more. No matter how rejected, you have rejected the child. Because there is something in you that is in the child. The same with God. Because the breath of God is a man. No matter how wicked a person may be. No matter how bad a person may be. There is something in God that is in man. That doesn't make God just to sit down like that. There is a part of God in every man. God still has that person, that, that thing in him. Go with me to Job 33 verse 4. Listen to what he says. Job 33 4. The spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the almighty gives me life. The spirit of God. So no matter who the person may be. The person may be a prostitute. The person may be a murderer. The person may be whosoever it is. That that person still moves God. And if no matter the state of the person moves God. Those people's situation must also move us. God value every man. Because there is a part of God. That is in man. No matter their state. No matter their level. Number two. Why is man so special to God? Because man is special to God in his creation. Man is special to God in his creation. Man is the ultimate of God's creation. Yes. That perfects all that God created. Very much important. Man is the ultimate of God's creation. That perfects. Without man this world wouldn't have been here. Can you imagine? God did not create man before he created the world. He created everything before he created man. And even when he has created the earth, the sea, everything, he he said to man, have dominion and have control. The dominion of the creation of the world was not given to angels, but it was given to man. I want to see how valuable man is before God. Let me show you a scripture. It will will blow your mind. Go with me to Psalm 8 from verse 1. Please fast. But the main emphasis will start from verse 4. Oh Lord, how 
majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of? When you say you are mindful of somebody, you understand? The person occupies your mind all the time. What is man that you are mindful of him? Who is man? After all, who is man? This wicked person. Ungrateful person. Terrible. Always practicing wickedness. He doesn't obey you. He doesn't listen to you. But who is the one who still doesn't obey you, but you are so mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Even in the midst of your wickedness, he still falls rain on you. He doesn't fall fire. There are some, even some armed robbers, when they are going to steal, they pray first, Lord, help me, you. Let me come back safely, you. So for some of the sins you have committed from last week, God should have cut you off. The abortions you have committed. Your head should have been off by now. That child's life should have been in your life. But he doesn't count your sins against you. That is Psalm 130 verse 3. Then we come back to this. So please hurry up. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand before you? If God is marking all your sins one by one, from January to this time, where will you be? Go back to the scripture for me. Man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. How do you believe that no matter your situation, God still cares for you? Yeah, you sleep, you wake up. He reigns on the wicked and he reigns on the righteous. He gave in in the midst of your wickedness, he still gives you food to eat. You made him a little lower, more than angels, and crowned him with glory and what? And crowned with glory and honor. Roll. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. We control everything. That's why we can dig the oil, we can, I mean, the sea, the fish, and all that. And you put everything under his feet. Ajah. All flocks and heads, and, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Oh Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hallelujah. Tell the person, God is mindful of you. Tell the person, God cares for you. And tell the person, God cares for every man. Hallelujah. So man is special in God's creation. Interestingly, when Satan and some of the angels fell, they rebelled against God and they fell. You know the scripture in Revelation? You know Satan took one third of the angels in heaven? Yeah, there was one in heaven and Lucifer took one third. When all the angels in heaven, when you divide them into three, he took one. There was war in heaven. He took one third of the angels in heaven and they became the demons and all that. But when they fell, God did not spare them. God did not send anybody. Please go and bring the angels back to me. Immediately they fell. God condemned them. But when man fell, from the beginning that man fell, God has always been sending people to bring man back to him. Please, you are even more valuable and precious than angels. No. Are you here? You have gone home. I said you are more precious and valuable than even angels. That scripture we read from Psalm 8 verse 4. It's a wrong interpretation. No, no, no. When you read from the original Hebrew, from Psalm 8 verse 4, that you have made him a little lower than the angels. No, no, no. It's made, you have made him a little lower than yourself. That's how, should, that's how it should be rendered. It's not angels. No, no, no. We are bigger. Angels are just servants. They are ministering spirits. So you don't save angels. Angel Michael, Angel Will, I beg you, help me. Uh, angels, uh, angel, uh, angel uh, uh, Salifu, please come. And uh, Yeah. Oh, no, there's another angel called Salifu. Oh, you don't know? Yeah. And you come back here and you call them. Come, 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 come. <laughs> so, if you, the way you, you, you value angels, no, 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 angels are your, they are my servants. 
Say to yourself, they are my servants. Bible calls them, they are the ministering spirits. They minister. To minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I pray that from today, you will see the value of man in the sight of God. That no matter who a person may be, you stand before God as a precious and as a valuable person. I mean, when I was preparing the message, that's part of the scripture that really touched my heart. When, when the angels fell, God did not send for them. Oh, please bring them. Bible said, that, when you read First Peter, Bible said they were condemned to eternal judgment. But when man fell from the beginning, God said, no, I need him back. But as for you, the angels, tell the person as you, every man is precious in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Number three, why is man so vulnerable to God? The reason be that it's not God's will for any man to perish. It's not the will of God for any man to do what? Ezekiel 33 from verse 10, 11. Look at that scripture. Ezekiel 33 verse. Son of man, say to the house of Israel, talking about the people of God, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down. And we are wasting our way because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the what? Not the righteous one. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No matter how the sinner may be, no matter how the person may be, no matter the offense, I take no pleasure. God is not happy in the death of uh, Saddam. Yeah. And Libya. Libya is a Gaddafi. Eh? Yeah. He calls himself the, the king of kings. <laughs> he has taken the place of Christ. Even yet, God is still not happy about his death. The way he was murdered and all that. Hey, how the mighty are falling. Hmm. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their... I leave. And he said, turn and turn from your evil ways. They will... I mean, why will you die, O house of Israel? Turn or why will you die in your sin? Please listen to me. God is not happy about the death of any sinner. So let me tell you, the, the, the most important question that you must always ask yourself, when you hear that somebody is dead, ask yourself, did the person die in Christ? Did the person die knowing Jesus? I told you a story within the week when we were doing the fasting, that there was a man of God who witnessed to another professor. And that was the student. Student listened to the, the professor, expecting to give your life to Christ, and he just snubbed the guy. He said, nonsense. What kind of this is but when, some years later, when he was about to die, he sent for the same person. Please come and pray for me. I'm at the point of death. I think I need Christ this time. Don't wait till when you are dying. Oh. Many people die without Christ. And please listen to me. When you die without Christ, two places are ordained for you. Whether you go to heaven or you go to hell. Please, that is the bottom. There's no argument. Whether you believe it or not, that's a reality. Your own belief doesn't change anything. Oh. I'm telling you. So you better believe it before it helps it doesn't change anything. It, I don't believe that it's hell. I don't, what is hell? God is too good to send man to hell. But the point is that the fact that you believe there is no God doesn't change anything. What can you change? God said there is hell. You small ant like you sit somewhere there is no hell. Who are you? You will press your head and you will see. I told you a story about a man who said there is no God in Italy. Uses, he gave his own house as printing press. Printing books about atheists, that there is no God, God doesn't exist. Printing books and all that. When he was about to die, someone who has never mentioned the name of God before, who is God? There is no God anywhere. When he was about to die, on the sick bed, on the dying bed, at the point of death, 
he saw that he was entering a darker place. I'm told that is how it is. That when you are dying, it's like a journey. If you are going to hell, the place is dark and gets darker and darker and darker. If it's heaven, it's a light. It begins to shine. And shine. Those who have gone to heaven before, we read about that. Then he started screaming. Because where he was going was getting darker. And he started saying, hey, it's dark, oh. Then he started continuing to scream. It is, it is becoming dark. Dark, oh, dark. All of a sudden, according to what the story it said, the man shouted in the hearing of the doctors, God have mercy! Everybody was shocked because they knew that man as a man who didn't believe that is God. Now all of a sudden, God have, please, your own belief doesn't change anything. Let all men be liars and let God be true. Let all men be liars. Please, whatever you tell me and God, I'd rather choose to hear what God says than what you are saying. There are churches, there are people who believe there is no hell. Who are you to say there is no hell? Who are you that Jehovah Witness tell me there is no hell? Who are you? Who is, who is your founder? I will not entertain that nonsense. Give me Luke 16 from verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Please roll. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sauce. And longing to eat what fell from the, man's, the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sauce. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So whenever a righteous person dies, this is what happens. Angels come. So before you die, the angels stand beside your bed. Because you don't know the way. So they come. These are the ministering spirit. That's why I told you. So they come and they carry you. That's how it is. They carry you. Please, you are not this body. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in this. When you die, this body goes back to the ground. It becomes, if, if you like, just check it. When you bury somebody, give it a person in the next five years. Go and take that same place. You never see, you just only see sand. The body has mixed it. Has, that's how it is. But the spirit that God breathed in you is carried by the angels to the place that you are supposed to be. The rich man also died and was buried in hell. There are two things. When you, if because of time, I would have just shared with you deeply. When a righteous man dies, you are carried by the angels of God up. But when you die with that Christ, you go down. Hell is beneath, under here. Hell is not here. Hell, when somebody was that's right. That's how the scripture puts it. That one, the angels doesn't carry you. The forces of evil comes to take you. Go. No, that's the direction you go. In hell, where he was torment. He looked up and saw Abraham. Well, God gave that opportunity. It's not like that. When you are in hell and you are in heaven, you don't see each other. But this one, God wanted to teach us a story. So he gave this opportunity for people to see how hell and heaven is. Lazarus! He sighed. So he called him, Father Abraham, happy to me. And Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony, in fire. In where? Yeah. So when somebody dies, not the Rikum mass we do, pray, Lord, save his soul. Lord, give me a better prayer. Hey, it's finished. If the person is dead, there is nothing that can change it. Now, it's okay, but you cut a long story short. What I'm trying to say is that, please, people of God, whether we be, believe it on heaven and hell are what? One day I was witnessing to somebody and the person said, but even let me tell you, hell will be so interesting because I'll see Bob Marley, uh, Michael Jackson will be there. Yeah. Hey, do you have time to dance there? Hmm. And let me tell you, hell is not a final destination of the sinner. No. 
Hell is not a final destination of any man. No, 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 no. When you die without Christ, you appear in hell where there is fire. So the man was burning. Burning. I mean, you don't have time for your hair. The hair that you didn't accept Christ because of hair. Because you don't have time for it. But on the final day of judgment, the Bible says you'll be taken from hell and you'll be put in the lake of fire. Hell is frying something in a frying pan. The lake of fire is taken from the frying pan and put into the real fire. That's how it's very simple. That's how it is. Hey! Go and meet Bob Mali there and sing reggae and let's see. Mercy. That's the reason why anybody who does not help people to give their life to Christ, God looks at you as a weak. That's why he said, I will ask for the blood of that person from you. If I tell you to warn the person and you don't do it, I will ask the blood of that individual from you. So the soul of man values to God because God doesn't want any man to perish and to die in sin. Please, you must, no matter who the person is, whether the person is a prostitute, the person is a drunkard, the person is a wicked, God still loves the person. In John chapter number 8 from verse 3 to 11, there's a story about um, a lady who was caught in adultery, that she has committed adultery, she has went to sleep and all, with a fornication, whatever it is. Listen to what it says. John 8 from verse 7 and 8. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if anyone of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped and down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one after a time. The oldest one first until Jesus left, uh, whatever, and the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they, your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? No, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus, go, go and sin no more. Please, no matter, even the person is a prostitute, you stand no place to condemn anybody. You must share the gospel with the person. Jesus loves prostitutes. Tell the person he loves prostitutes. Tell the person he loves drunkards. Tell the person he loves wicked people. So you must, we must love what he loves. Amen. Yeah. He even loves mad, mad people. We want a lot of mad people in the church for God to change them. Yeah. In Mark 5, one was with the disciples. He said, let us go over to the other side. They went there and saw a madman. The madman in the gatherings. He was sleeping at the tombs. Jesus met this guy. He said, have you come to this? I said, no, no, I've come to save you. He said, what's your name? He said, I'm legion. Full of demons. He said, come out of him. Bob said, he set the man free. And the man came to himself. Then he followed Jesus. Bob said, when people saw that the madman has been converted, they told Jesus, please leave here. We don't need you here. Look at how weak people are. He even loved mad people. No matter their state, no matter their level, God still loves them. We must love what he loves. From today, don't look down upon prostitutes. Anybody you think is a prostitute, anybody you think is a particular, is living a particular which is not right, don't look down upon them, but have a heart of love for those people that God will change and transform and make their lives better. Those of you who sit in a judgment seat, hey, go on, sister. Look at the earring. Look at the makeup. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the way she has dressed. The dress is too short. It's too whatever. You sit in church. You walk out some people and talk. Help me as a person. How does it concern you? Tell the person what you must be concerned about is to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. It is not what you are saying that changes anybody. It is the word of God that convicts people. You can never tell a drunkard to stop drinking and condemn. No, 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 no. Have you seen anybody who has gone to a process? You have gone to hospital. Doctor, give me injection for me to stop prostitution. A drunkard, Lord, doctor, give me injection. I will stop drinking. 
It takes Jesus. It takes the power of God. It takes the gospel to change people. That's what Paul I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16. Because it's the power of God that changes lives. From today, may you share the gospel with those that we underestimate. Share the gospel with all kinds of people in the name of Jesus. Stop condemnation. Stop condemning people. Stop judging people. But you might rather share the word of... That's what we are doing this morning. We are going to share the gospel with them. Hallelujah. And the last of it, a soul worth more than the entire world. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Hmm. Mark 8, 36 and 37. For what will it profit a man? Can we do it together once ago? If he gains the whole world and loses, what will it profit you? Even if we give all the women the world to you, say you love women, let's give every woman to you. The short, the big, the, the lame, the slim, the fat. You say you love cars. That's why you don't want to serve God. Let's give every cars they've got to you. You are a woman. You say you love men. You love money. Let's, let every man give you any money that you want. Get everything. You will see how useless you have become. No, I'm telling you. Do you know that? Let me tell you. With, with personal experience. Do you know, there is nothing in this world that satisfies. There's n- Maybe you don't have it. That's why you are sitting down like that. When I used to preach in Togo, they put me in a hotel and I feel the air condition. I pray, oh Lord, when will I also have air condition to sleep in? I was praying. So when I want to preach again at Togo, they gave me money and the money was heavy. I said, well, this time when I come, I'll buy air condition and put in my room and my wife and the children, everybody will be happy. So I came and I straight away want to buy the air condition. Put the air condition in one room. And I told all the children, today all of us will sleep in the air condition. <laughs> my wife, Nick, Stephanie, Settel, Phoebe, we all slept in the air condition. Everybody was so happy. We couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> oh, cool, we're enjoying it. The next day, we slept in the air condition. The third day, everybody started coughing. <laughs> Since that day, I've never slept in the air condition. Even when I see it, I pass. Yeah. Nothing satisfies. Please, the things you are looking for, eh? You are so desperate for me. I want to get this. I want to marry. All your lives are married. I pity you. Oh, I want to travel to America. Also for America. Mention that they may pray for me. America. America. Somebody said to me, even if we have stepped in American immigration and I fall and die, I'll be happy. Oh, yes. As a person, are you that one? Are you, are you that one? Nothing satisfied. Is sex you want? There's no satisfaction in sex, so I'm telling you. You're desperate for it. Nothing satisfies in this life except Jesus who can meet your need and satisfy you in every situation you find yourself in. Glory to God. From today, receive the satisfaction of Christ. I said, receive the satisfaction of Christ. When he satisfies you, you will never need anything. He said, if only you will drink this water, you will never thirst. John 4. From 21 down, so if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. We are reaching out this morning to give this gospel of satisfaction to all the people we come in contact with. Anybody you meet as you reach out, just one flight, Jesus loves you. Give your life to him and your life will never be the same. Can I pray with you to give your life to Christ? Oh, I've already accepted Jesus. Please pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Save me from today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to church. God bless you. Come. Within one minute, you are done. Those are not ready. Give the key to them. Even if you give it to them, they are not able to receive it. Move on. Tell the person, God bless you. Move on to the next person. We are doing that now. Hallelujah.
What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Go back. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange? There is nothing that can replace the salvation of a soul. The salvation of one man is greater than the material things that the gold than everything in the entire world. I want you to see how God values the soul of a man. And God, how God places, it doesn't place any value on material things. Listen to me. When you buy a car, heaven is not happy. Heaven does not rejoice. No, 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 no. But when you win a soul, when a soul is saved, there is joy in heaven. Hallelujah. From today, let's do everything possible to save the lives of men. So when it comes to the salvation of men, every price we pay to save a soul, worth it. Hmm. When it comes to the salvation of souls, every price we pay, worth it. Worth, worth. If you give 10,000 Ghana, I give 10,000. Everybody give 10,000. We get 1 million Ghana cities and can save one soul. It worth it. 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 That's why we don't have to allow anybody to be lost. Everybody must be saved within our strength. Let's do everything. If you have to give your money, you have to give your strength, give whatever it takes to save a soul. I'm telling you. Glory to God. Every price we pay, worth it. And don't give up in giving to help to spread the gospel, to tell people about Christ. Don't give up in doing that. So do everything it takes to get a soul back to God. We are all on a rescue mission. Tell the person, we are all on a rescue mission. Glory to God. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, baptize me afresh with a heart and a spirit for souls. One minute. Talk to God right now. Talk to God. Talk to God right now. Talk to God. Talk to God. Open your mouth and talk to God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name. Father, we thank you for your presence. Your Father is going with us. Let your grace rest mightily upon us. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen.